Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, everyone, and welcome to NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Marty Snyder, Steve Latart, the professor, Nate Ryan, hanging out with you today here on Motor Mouse. Coming up on the show, Alan Gustafson, the winning crew chief from Nashville, will join us here in just a few moments. Later in the show, one of the best stories in the world of motorsports, Robert Wickens, gets back to Victory Lane in IMSA. So cool to watch that this weekend at Watkins Glen. We'll have Robert Wickens on the show with us here in a little bit. Of course, we want to hear from you guys as well, 844 NASCAR NBC, also the hashtag let me say this on social media. We had to Road America this week, the races on USA. I have a thought, and, and I'm just curious what you guys think. Chase Elliott gets the big second win of the year at Nashville. Could he be the first real breakout driver of 2022? We haven't seen anyone break out. I mean, two wins is the most, right? But three road courses, Steve, coming up on the schedule, and Chase Elliott with two wins in the bank. I mean, could he be that guy? who finally jumps out there and wins four or five races. Well, you know what he did with the win at Nashville, Nate, is he put himself on the list of could he be that guy, right? He now is one of the two-time winners. I say that, Marty, uh, because I don't think you're incorrect there, but I think it could be Larson. Um, it could be Denny. It could be – there's a lot of guys with like 12, 13-ish type uh, playoff point totals. Yeah. So I think that it's kind of there for the taking over the summer. Now, when I look at Chase – his road course numbers are impressive, but they were more impressive with the old car. I'm going to ask Al on that when he joins us later because I actually <laughs> feel that Chase is very good. This is not knocking Chase, right? But yeah. I think this car has taken whatever had Chase and Truex as kind of standouts yeah. and has definitely brought them back into the fold. That doesn't mean they can't win. Yeah. It doesn't mean that perhaps they're some of the favorites. I just feel like, Nate, they've lost a little bit of what made them stand out versus the competition. Maybe a little bit. He's still a road course oh, ace. He's still and great. I, I think you're right, Marty. I think that he is positioned really well. I asked both Chase Elliott and Alan Gustafson about this after the Nashville win that he mentioned it. There's three guys with 13 playoff points. That's Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain, William Byron. Those mm -hmm. are the three tied for first. And I think with Chase Elliott being first in the regular season point standings by 30 points over Ross, uh, Ross Chastain, mm -hmm. I think he is really well positioned, to your point, Marty, to win some races here and to really put some distance, some gap by the time we end the regular season here in nine races. Here's the playoff standing, Steve. And, and you brought the point of playoff points. I mean... There is no one. Junior brought this up, too. I mean, this could be a year where someone who is a championship favorite goes out in round one because nobody has any playoff points to, to stand on. Well, I think we're lucky as the network partners that have joined at this point because I can't <laughs> think of a more important second half of the regular season. And I say that not just for who makes the playoffs, but to what you keep saying, right? Who is going to have any sort of advantage or a lead? And don't forget, I say this just because I want to get it on record. The regular season <laughs> champion 
is guaranteed right. to make the playoffs. I say yeah. that because if Ryan Blaney wins the regular season championship without a win, then only 15 winners get in. Not 16. And how would that go down? So, I mean, well, I just, you we know. We talk about it. Oh, are they really going to be well 16? Received. Yeah. yeah, I know, but we talk about <laughs> I'm going to let you there, go on and explain how it all happened. Are there going to be 16 winners? I don't think so. That could but, be a curveball. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be 16 winners, but but I do think that, like, when you go to Road America and there's a decision at the end of the stages to pit or stay out for track position, we're going to see it, you know, at the end of stage one, end of stage two. Listen, if anyone is thinking that points is their pathway to the playoffs, while it may be the pathway, I would not be signing up for that. Mm. I would be signing up that you need a trophy. I, and I say that not because I think there's going to be 15 or 16 winners, but because there are too many good cars that haven't won. Like Truex still hasn't won. He's going to win at some point. Blaney, right? There are guys that I believe are going to win. So if you are a Harvick or a Dillon or a Reddick, and if you think points are it, Man, I don't like I mean, that plan, Nate. I mean, Blaney, he could win the regular season championship, but he's 31 points out. If he gets past Chastain and Elliott, I think he wins a race. Yeah, I think if he fair, finishes fair. first, that means he's winning a race yeah. for sure. It's a good point, but Steve did frighten everybody in the garage <laughs> by saying if he doesn't win and, and he wins the regular yeah. season championship, he's still in. But the guys leading the championship overall right now, that would be Alan Gustafson and Chase Elliott. Alan Gustafson joins us now here on NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Congratulations on the, on the big win. Got to ask you, bud, what, how, did the car just seem to come to life after the rain delay? Did you notice a difference maybe in track or something that just really helped the nine car get a lot better after the rain delay? Yeah, I think, I think we got better right before. We were just really mired back in traffic. We needed a few adjustments on the Napa Chevy, and we had opportunity to take a, a, a you know, big swing at it the first time, and then the second stop, we had opportunity to take another big swing at it. And then right before we knew it was pretty good, you know, we just uh, were mired back in traffic and took a little bit of time. Of course, you never know how good you are until you get up there with the front, but we certainly knew we improved it. AG, hey, I'm not going to look back because I know it's Wednesday and you're already looking forward. Nashville's over. The trophy's <laughs> probably in the trophy case somewhere. You're not one to look back. You're looking at the next week. Uh, take, take me in. Like, how do guys prepare? New car, new track. You know, you've only been there one time. Uh, you know, what kind of tools and your confidence in your tools? And, 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 you know, I know how we did it 10 years ago, but I'm sure it's changed dramatically. Like, what do the weeks look like heading somewhere like Road America with just such a little notebook of information? Yeah, it's tough, you know. Last year we went there and had no idea what to do. We didn't know the track and certainly knew the car really well. And this year we're going there and and uh, have a little more experience with the track, but don't really know the car. So we're just basically taking – uh, the information we have from Coda and then Sonoma and just trying to apply that. And you can kind of get a, a few offsets, you know, from where you ran last year at Coda and Sonoma and where that lines up with Road America. And, yeah, you try to just put it together. It's not super easy. Um, the tire data, you know, I mean, you, well, we can get a big rabbit hole with this, but, you know, the simulation is great, but, you know, the tire data is not great. It's the DIL is not a great place to – Really hammer all that out, but uh, yeah, it's not it's not that dissimilar from what you used to do. So, Alan, we've got the stat up there. You have 35 career wins as a Cup crew chief, 15 with Chase Elliott, and I want to delve into that a little bit. I think you and Chase have always seemed really well matched. You both have similar dispositions, both you know all business, no nonsense, um, very much just focused on the task at hand. Uh, but you've been together now. This is, I, I was thinking about today, I couldn't believe it. I mean, seven seasons now together in the Cup Series, which seems like an eternity 
sometimes with a driver crew chief pairing. I know you guys mesh really well, I'm sure, because you have similar personalities, but how has it been able to work so well where you're still winning and still at the top of your game here in, in season seven with Chase? Yeah, I mean, Chase is great. He's, I don't know that I could still do this anymore if it was with Chase, to be honest with you. He's, uh, he's a super easy guy to work with, and he's a lot of fun to work with. And like you said, our personalities mesh really well. So, um, yeah, you can just, there's just no drama. There's just no extracurricular things that distract from our business and what we need to do. And we get along really well, and we see things very similarly. So, um, yeah, I think on top of all that, we genuinely like each other and genuinely believe in each other. So, um, yeah, there's nobody else I'd rather be working with, and, and uh, he makes it a lot of fun. And, and uh, I think he would say the same if you asked him. Alan, we're going to grab a couple calls here. Fans want to hear from you after the big win at Nashville. Michelle in Maryland wants to hear or chat with you. Michelle, go ahead. You're on with Alan Gustafson. First off, congratulations, Alan, on the win. Um, but I did have a couple of questions about in the interview Chase had after the race, he was talking about having, you know, a hard, you know, month, month and a half or so. What are you guys doing differently to clean up the issues on pit road, whether it's slower stops, et cetera, because that seems to be a, a big issue across the board, not only in the Hendrick camp, but all the other teams as well. Yeah, it's practice. I mean, just continuously practicing and trying to improve. It's really a new thing for all of us. And uh, it's difficult timing. It's, it's hard, really, the, you know, the difficult thing from to this year from last year is you know last year you could kind of have a countdown right i mean you see one lug nut two lug nuts three lug nuts and then four and typically you the jackman would drop on four and hopefully you get five if you don't um you know the wheel's not going to fall off and and uh you know you might incur a ten thousand dollar penalty but it's not the end of the world with this system you really can't see the lug nuts obviously in the engagement of the nut happens so fast that uh yeah, if you wait for it to get tight, you're going to lose a lot of spots. So uh, just a lot of practice and, and, you know, you have to have clean indexes and clean, uh, you know, starts to the lug nut and, and all those things. And it just takes some muscle memory and some time. Let's grab Chandler in Indiana who has a question for you, Alan. Chandler, go ahead. You're on with Alan Gustafson. Hey, Alan, congratulations. The Nashville man, great job, you know. When I look at you and Chase, I call you two as the John Lennon and Paul McCartney of NASCAR. So, <laughs> my hat's off to you guys. <laughs> um, so, Alan, you know, we're coming to Road America. We all know how Chase is on these road courses. But also, you know, Almondinger, Mike McDowell, there's Kyle Pelly, they're the road course aces. So, do you and Chase have any strategy up your guys' sleeve for Road America this uh, weekend? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's certainly a lot of great competition and, you know, every week and certainly at the road courses. And, yeah, I mean, our strategy is to have the fastest car and the best strategy and, you know, fastest pit stops. Um, if that doesn't go according to plan, then we adjust and do what you have to do to put yourself in the best position possible to win. And, um, you know, that happened to us last year up there. We had, didn't have a track position and didn't get to qualify and started in the back and had to work our way through there. And, and obviously, we had a good car and had good execution and all the above. So, I think there's a lot of ways you can get it done and as the race transpires that changes a lot uh just like in nashville you know it wasn't 
super perfect according to plan, but we were able to adjust to it. So I think you have to stay uh, um, flexible and, 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 you know, take whatever you can get really, or, or whatever opportunities are given to you, you have to take the best advantage of them possible. Alan, you know, when I look at this car, we've started to check box certain things like the, the transmission or, or uh, you know, the extract product seems to be pretty reliable. We talk about the steering racks are a concern. But the one thing that I don't think has been tested yet, and if it has, maybe I missed the race or is, or is a mid-race type thing. But it doesn't seem like fuel mileage, fuel pickups, you know, you know like the window of fuel, not having that backup of, of a little bit of a reserve switch. You know, I have yet to really see that come into play when I look at long, drawn-out Road America. Are you, are you trying t- to jinx us? Is that, is no, that- <laughs> I'm jinxing. But, but I, are you, you know, trying is that, to cause problems? Do you feel like that's a fair concern, kind of industry-wide, right? Like, that's something that's very hard to test. We haven't seen it tested. And I'm sure you, like everyone else down there, is going to test it because, you know, being on pit road first is a huge advantage of that big track. Is, is that something you kind of have circled? Yeah, I mean... I- your concerns are very valid, absolutely, and especially when you're going to a four-mile racetrack, right? I mean, if you were to miss that at the wrong place, it's over with. But, uh, yeah, it can happen. I mean, I think I think the reason you haven't seen it become a concern is this, the stages, you know, are set cautions, right? I mean, that that's fairly a new part of our sport, and that breaks it up enough to where you don't get yourself in huge fuel window gambles unless – we were to get a caution at the right opportune time, you know, full course cautionary opportunity time at Red America where you had to really stretch it, but you'd be fine on the stages. It'd just be that final stage. So there's really one opportunity for that to happen. But yeah, if it happened, uh, yeah, it's tough, you know, because it is something we're not in control of. And we had a really robust system previously that we knew when we were going to be out. And, and unfortunately we're not allowed to do anything to this and it is what it is. So um, it's, it's, it's not nearly as, you know, at least in my opinion, it's not nearly as good as what we had, so it uh, leaves some definite margin for error. So that could be a huge concern at road courses, certainly. All right, now listen, I'm not the jinx. It goes bad. <laughs> just, I don't want just lead players. I don't want, I don't so want to a four-mile track might be the jinx. <laughs> yeah. When, as soon as you started talking, I'm, I always scrape my teeth. I'm like, don't do this. <laughs> because <laughs> well, like, listen you know i still have sleepless nights and if i'm alan that's sure. one of the things yeah. i'm like man yeah. holy smokes if this thing runs out two and a half miles away it's gonna be a bad day so mm. not that's gonna happen to you alan no it's not and if not no, you're going no, right no. to stevie obviously okay. yeah. Absolutely. This, he will be at road yeah, wait, hey, hold on if he comes right at me it won't be the first time that alan's <laughs> come right like, we've got a lot of water under the bridge right here yeah, yeah. and it's hey, gonna be fine hey alan i want to ask you about uh, we were talking to chase a couple of days before the race uh, about the heat in the cars and Chase was very much embracing the power of positive thinking and basically like, hey, I'm just not going to worry about if it's hot. I love it. I'm just, I'm just going to think I'm cool. Um, and it, it seems like we've sort of seen this side of Chase a little bit more where I mean, he's still very much the serious all business guy, but seems a little bit lighter uh, maybe in his approach this year. What, what have you seen from Chase Elliott in 2022 in terms of his demeanor? Because you've watched him progress from his rookie season to now. I'm sure you've seen some changes. How have you seen Chase kind of, you know, inherit that driver-leader role this year? Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, you just see it happen with, you know, more confidence and comfort in who he is. And uh, he's a great person. He's got a great personality. He's super fun to be around. And I think the more he shows that, uh, the better. I think the the more he'll he's wanting to expose himself and his, his personality to people, I think he's just going to, you know, they're going to endear themselves more to him. So, 
uh, yeah, I'm glad he can do that. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to do at a young age, the way he is under a tremendous amount of scrutiny, obviously, uh, and in the spotlight all the time. So, yeah, I think it's great. And I think you see that, you know, just come out more and more with that self-confidence that he has and in, in who he is. And, and, you know, he should have a lot of self-confidence in who he is. He's a great person, a great race car driver. So, uh, yeah, I like to see him, uh, you know, you, you kind of to, to, to be that kind of guy, you've got to embrace your weaknesses and, you know, the uh, all of who you are and just accept it. And I think he's doing that. You kind of always wanted to challenge him to kind of step up into that leadership role at Hendrick Motorsports, and he's certainly doing that now. So I had one crew chief tell me this weekend that you really need hieroglyphics to go from last year's setup in the old car to this year's setup if you're going to try and translate and carry things over, which may not work at all. So does anything transfer over from the win at Road America last year setup-wise to this year's car? No. No, no, it's crazy. <laughs> I figured that was it, yeah. I, I wish I could say, yeah. I mean, trust me, I've tried my best throughout this year to, like, take the stuff we used to do and try to apply it, and it's just it's, it's just completely different. So, no, um, you know, I, I think that we learned early on that, um, yeah, all that stuff that we worked so hard on for so many years is just kind of out the window. It's, it's tough to let that go when we run so well at the road courses. You want to try to – be able to leverage that experience and knowledge and, and success into the future. And unfortunately, it just hasn't worked out that way. So we've had to kind of go back to the drawing board and, and start over, so to speak. But, um, you know, once we ran Coda and once we ran Sonoma, we're certainly getting more and more comfortable with where we need to be with this car. So speaking of a new car, one last phone call, Mark from Georgia. You're on with Alan Gutson. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, Alan, congrats on your win on Sunday, man. You're the best crew chief in the business out there, man. Appreciate you. My, Thank you. Um, my question is, my question is, um, have you and the team and Chase, have you guys think you've hit on something for Chase to have a better feel for this new car? Yeah, I think we're getting better. Uh, you know, our performance has been pretty good out of the box, but I, I do think we're improving. You know, in Nashville, we had – a little bit different of a setup philosophy in the car and something that we wanted to try and the opportunity over the off weekend to work out. And, and uh, certainly I don't, I don't think it was any worse. I mean, it gave him, I feel like once we got it balanced, I feel like it gave him a lot of flexibility to adjust his line. And I thought the car was slightly better in traffic. So those are all good things. I will say though, it's, uh, you know, it's tough because there's just not, uh, it's hard to really get a differentiator with, with everybody having the same stuff. So, I mean, like that gaggle of cars you look at right there. I mean, all those cars are pretty similar in performance. So um, it's tough to get an advantage, but I do feel like uh, we're one step closer. Good stuff, man. Looking forward to seeing you in Wisconsin this weekend. We'll see you Friday afternoon and uh, see you there. Yeah, hopefully with a lot of gas in the gas tank. And we'll uh, be I was up gonna there. Say, I was going to say, I was trying to find a way to work in Steve's. Steve's yeah. lying about it. Don't worry about it I'm now. It's four man, miles. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Wait until I see him. All right, bud. See you this weekend. You. Good you. stuff. And now he's going to, if they run out of fuel, Steve, so no, listen, going to leave immediately. It it's not just run out of fuel. I want the fan to understand. So this is the point. For years, the quantity was about 18 and a half gallons, but the way it worked is there was pickup A and pickup B. Yep. They had two opportunities. And when you ran out of gas in A, you would flip a switch and B would come on, and you would have roughly a lap at most racetracks. Even at Road America, they would increase his size to make sure they come back. That's not available in this new car. Not to mention that both A and B, the pickups, don't look anything like that. This is a standard thing. All these teams had their own little gadgets and widgets and gidgets in there to get the most efficient fuel 
pick up as possible. You want to pick it all up. Now you're questioning how much is in there, how much is going to get picked up, and if you get it wrong, there's no safety. You're not on the motorcycle. You can't reach down and flip it to the reserve and ride it to the next gas station. You're going to pull over somewhere in the back of road America. So, you know, you saw it. It's real. He, he jokes about it, but you can see the look in his face like, Dude, I don't really want to talk about it because this isn't going to be much fun. That's going to be real this weekend. Fuel cell is larger, 21 gallons, so it's huge, but... Assuming it's full. Yeah, assuming it's full. Yeah, they will push it to the edge, no doubt about it. And it could be a topic this weekend. We don't know. So, hey, when we come back, we'll study the interesting case of the Toyota team's especially JGR at Nashville. We'll dive into what happened at the end of the race. That's coming up next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What a terrific show. Dell Jr. Download with uh, Justin Mark. Steve, that kicks off a, a little bit of a busy week, I would say. Man, it's going to be busy. I mean, we got to see what's happening with old Paul Swan and Austin Dillon, Life yeah. in the Fast Lane. I know you'd be dialed in. <laughs> Why Nate. not? And then just a ton of racing, right? We have Monster Jam. we got a little motocross, Xfinity Series. IndyCar, IMSA, Cup yeah. Series. Motorsports You're going to be busy. Diffie's going to be busy. I yeah. mean, everyone's going to be busy. Everybody's busy. We're two countries, three yeah. states. It's insane. Uh, yeah, so the race is on USA this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And by the way, pre-race, post-race, everything on USA as well. So that's where you can catch everything. So, Nate, I want to dive into the, the interesting topic of, of Joe Gibbs racing at the end of the race at Nashville. Really, you can go back the last couple of weeks. Sonoma as well, not a good race for them. And I want to start with you because you had a very interesting interview with David Wilson who was very open and honest about the struggles and kind of where they are with the new car. So dive into that a little bit for us and then, you know, tell us what his thought is on where they are right sure. now. Sure. So here's one of the quotes uh, from that interview, Marty, where he's talking about the fact that they went to Sonoma and there wasn't a Toyota in the top 15 at Sonoma. Which yes, is the first 17. time first time that's happened since 2007, which is the first year Toyota was in Cup. And we all know what a disastrous year that was. So this was truly, you could argue, Toyota Racing Development's worst race. And they in ran the there all day long. It wasn't right. like they wrecked to get there. Right, yeah. Martin Truex Jr. was never a factor, even though he had Cole Pern, the guy who won a couple of times with him at Sonoma, on his pit box. It, it didn't make a difference. So... David Wilson was talking to me before Nashville and saying that sometimes he feels as if maybe they're overthinking things and that maybe that they're making it too hard. He said that it can't be this hard. Maybe if we just take a step back, we can figure this out. And I know it doesn't apply to the pit strategy, Steve, but when I thought about that quote later, he, David Wilson obviously was talking about overthinking things in terms of setup and in terms of how do they make the cars go faster. But then when you think about the end of Nashville, and you said it, like, why are all the Joe Gibbs racing drivers on the same strategy pit-wise? Like, why didn't one of them stay out? We know that there was a miscommunication in the case of Truex and James Small. Yeah. But still, it's like they're overthinking it a little bit in that capacity as well. The same way maybe they are on the setup side, right? Yeah. So, so my only counter would be this. Um, when you go run with four Joe Gibbs cars in the top five or three that dominate at Nashville, everybody's like, we work together, we share information, Look how good we are across the board. The Toyotas have figured it out. We've all made gains. So you can't pick and choose when you want to stick together and when you want to split up. And I would say that I was shocked 
at the end of that race that one of the Toyota cars didn't stay out. We come to find out that that was actually the plan with Truex. Truex apologized, said, hey, I was supposed to stay out, start in the front row. That made me feel a little bit better. I said, okay, so they just tripped up a little bit right here. You see Kyle in the 11 pit, and James Small had asked Truex to stay out if he could start in the front row. Truex didn't, didn't avoid it. He's like, man, totally on me. My bad. That made me feel a little bit better about this decision. But the problem is, when you do everything I just said, you work together, you share notes, and it's all junk, you go and you don't have a single car in the top 15 at Sonoma. I mean, yeah. that can yeah. be what happened. What I love about David Wilson, what's make David Wilson so smart, is that he stays close enough to understand and appreciate the hard work and choices that are being made, but he's just far enough away that he doesn't get clouded with all the trees in the forest, right? He, he could stay kind of up above it. And, and that's why I think what David was alluding to there is it's one thing when you can't win a race. It's one thing when you can't run in the top five, top six, top seven. But when your drivers are Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, when you have that much talent in an organization and you get outrun with cars that you know have way less that's when he's like, okay, we're making this too hard. Yeah. Like we're, we're, yeah. we're making this too much of an engineering thing, too much of a, a technical thing. And I agree with him. When it comes to the road courses, there should be some blocking and tackling that should get you to be good. I'm not saying you're going to win the race, but you shouldn't be that far off. Do but. you hang your hat on the speed you had at Nashville and not worry about what's been going on on pit road the last couple of races or what? Oh, if I'm going to Road America, I'm scared to death. We just went to a road course. We couldn't run well, the I know top they 15. Road America And aside, we couldn't get tires say. off and on on yeah. any of our cars. Uh, Denny well, Hamlin had to fix that with Bubba Wallace. I mean, that's that's for, been, forget Bubba Wallace. Denny Hamlin would have dominated Nashville if they wouldn't have had two stops that went first to six. Yeah. I mean, and but now the only thing I will say is the whole field has an issue. Just is it early enough that you were recover or not? I mean, you know, the winner Chase Elliott had to stop uh, and back yeah, up and tighten the wheel. Right. Yep. So yeah. so pit road is chaotic. I actually thought the fan question was a was spectacular because the point of that question was. Are you going to slow down to be more consistent? That's what I heard that fan ask. That was great. And I think that is now a question mark. I've heard Joe Gibbs Racing say they are pinned back as fast as they can go because they lost a championship a year ago to Kyle Larson without a fast enough pit stop. But you ask yourself, at what point do you just start trying to make contact when you're at the plate? Maybe everything shouldn't be a home run swing. That's what Greg Adams told his guys to do. They They had a wheel that fell off, but Alex Bowman hit the wall at California earlier this year. No one knew it. Right. And he said, "Slow down. This, I'm not. It's. I'm not going to risk it." What? What? What about the 23 team, Nate? I mean, this has been a not good year on pit road, and no. you could audibly hear the frustration from Bubba Wallace. Yeah, and especially as it comes during weekend when Michael Jordan is at the track, who's of course the co-owner mm-hmm. of 2311 Racing with Denny Hamlin. And Bubba Wallace comes off this great Friday practice in which he's the fastest. He appears he's got a race contending car. He does not do well in qualifying. With Michael Jordan there, by the way, with him mm-hmm. in the pits, um, you know, frankly, he kind of blows it in qualifying, Steve. And then in the race, unfortunately, it comes back on him with the team, with the pit crew again, uh, as we're taking a look at this graphic here that really illustrates how bad Bubba Wallace's pit crew has been in 2022. I talked about this on the NASCAR NBC podcast with Jeff Burton this week, and he said he can understand uh, when a driver like Bubba Wallace gets upset on the radar, you, you know, Burton said maybe it's a little bit over the top, but when you think about all the pressures that Bubba Wallace has on him, both internally and externally, and then having Michael Jordan at this race and all the other things going on, he could kind of understand how you know the emotions erupted on the radio. But at the same time, it almost sounded like he made it personal a little bit toward his crew chief, Booty Barker, which I know you know we've talked about. Like yeah. that's that's difficult for Well, uh, I mean, I understand chief. where Bubba was at. I do think the comments were were over the top. Um, 
I didn't appreciate them. I didn't, and I think it's unproductive for his race team. Um, I think he could do a better job. But they have to do a better job for him as well. We're going to have to start to see some better pit stops. Look, it's just not Bubba. Bubba's getting the thing because he blew up on the radio. The most soft-spoken driver in the Toyota camp is Christopher Bell, and he arguably has one of the worst pit crews as well. Mm. Mm. They average 14th to 15th. And and the simple fact is, um, I know it's not easy, and I'm not blaming the men and women trying to do the pit stops. The the simple fact that this isn't, you know my line, this isn't intramural football. Like, I'm sorry. It's professional sports. Mm. It's a competition. You're going out there to compete. We expect the drivers to be at their best. We expect pit crews to be at their best. And, and you know, when I look at races won and lost, I think Christopher Bell is one that could have absolutely won some races. And I think what made Bubba's explosion is you saw the graphic. My goodness, it took five minutes to read all the issues yeah, they had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he had probably yeah. one of his best cars of, his, of, of the year. That yeah. makes it even worse. Nate, take me through the interesting case of Kyle Busch. After that final restart, you know, everybody looked, you know, he almost won the race. Right. And he winds up finishing, I think, 21st, right? Right. After that restart. Right. So walk me through what all happened there. So, and the restart comes after his team elects to pit for two tires, which he didn't really seem on board with that decision to come down here. As we see right here, he pits for two tires, goes back out. And then, Stevie, kind of a really strange situation. It seemed like... Something may have happened on the restart where he he might have got into somebody and got and blocked in by got Brad blocked in maybe by Brad Keselowski. Yeah, but then but, he hits the wall randomly. Now. Yeah, so toward the end of this race, this was a little bit of, of chatter on social media. Um, there was some in-car video of, the, of what we're seeing right here. He just kind of like drifted up into the wall a couple of times on the last lap, and um, hmm. sort of peculiar. It, it looked happened. odd. I noticed it coming in the checkered. I. I I saw the green because I wanted to see if he could make a move. I don't know what happened, but the three or four cars got four wide, and he mm-hmm. had to check up. That was really the race for him. He didn't have a chance at that point. And then I didn't really notice him for the next lap because we were really watching the win in the second, third, fourth. And then, um, yeah, coming through three and four, he literally was riding the wall. I haven't talked to the crew or to Kyle to know if he had a mechanical issue or why that's where the car ended up, but it definitely had an odd appearance for the 18 car. Not to tie the two together, but this contract situation that is unresolved, I mean, David Wilson was very open with you about that and saying that he feels like it's a bigger distraction for Kyle than it was for, at the time, Martin Truex Jr., who did eventually. Yeah, he's coming back. But David Wilson also said that he felt like Kyle Busch has been showing the last six weeks prior to Nashville that he's driving for his job a little bit. Like like he almost appears to be, you know, that David Wilson made the point of saying that Kyle Busch isn't usually that type of person who needs to be motivated, isn't driven by that. But it is in the background. It's what we're always going to be talking about. It's not even in the background. (laughs) I was no, going to say, when does no, it become it's, a distraction? It's not, it's not even in the background. Listen, when I see the 18-car track, I'm not thinking how it's running. I'm thinking who's going to be driving it. It is in the <laughs> foreground. Yeah. And it was in the background when the 19 and the 18 were a question mark. But now the 19 isn't. There's, there is a highlight, red X, big circle, exclamation point, a pointer following him around the racetrack. Mm. It is a major issue. Forget him. Just take Kyle out for a minute. What about the crew? What about the pit crew? What about the crew chief? What about the car chief? If this is your team and this is your livelihood who's driving that is a major distraction yeah. and and listen it's it's you can't avoid it so I mean, does that mean the 18 team maybe even has more work to do than the 23 team with Bubba Wallace with Kyle and Ben Bayshore and figuring I, out what happened at the end of Nashville well I, I would say this there's two parts week to week work I don't think it changes a whole lot they're practicing working we're trying to have great pit stops but you know we talk about silly season a lot with drivers mm-hmm. that's not isolated to drivers Silly season happens to crew chiefs, engineers, pit crew members, all of that. We don't cover it because it'd be hundreds and hundreds of people. And politely, I don't think it's worth front page headlines. And it's not worth prying into these people's lives that are on the pit crew. 
But if you're Joe Gibbs executives and you're trying to move people around about this time of year, looking ahead to next year, man, you're at a pretty big stalemate with the 18 until, like, if I'm going over there to be a mechanic and they can't tell me who's driving, I'm yeah. Okay, thanks. When you figure that out, let me know. I mean, I think well, this is going to be a holdup in a lot of conversations. And in their defense, Kyle wants a large number for a salary, and they've oh. got to get the sponsor to make that work. You just can't do it and say, we'll figure out the rest later. That's a, oh, you know. I'm not putting blame on anyone. I'm not yeah. putting blame on Kyle or Gibbs or this. It, but listen, it simply comes down to the end of, can they raise enough capital to pay Kyle what he feels he's worth? Mm. Do they feel he's worth that? It really comes down to, can they pay him what he wants, or is he willing to take less, or will he... Is there somewhere else? I mean, the tens I, available is the only other car I know of currently. We, so. we all, I think, we all know. We all know how everybody wants this situation to end. When we all sure. expect that Gibbs and Toyota and Kyle Bush, yeah. I would love you know, it. Want I'm, him I'm to a be Kyle Busch fan. He does great yeah. things for the sport, and him driving to Joe Gibbs Racing makes sense. That's what I'd love to see. But, but you know, I, listen, I wanted Tom Brady to stay in New England. Like you know, warning <laughs> stuff doesn't doesn't yeah, guarantee well, until it, it happens. happens. Until Kyle right. Bush's name is on the contract, then it's well, and that's the point. It's not going to go away until it does. Until it happens, and and what happens? Then every bad run and every restart yeah, this and every is what happens, crew, right? Yeah. Then our friend Nate over here in the scrum has a follow-up. <laughs> and what about your contract? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like can blame just... me the way Gustafson blames you. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. this one's totally on you. I don't ask yeah. about contracts. <laughs> hey, when we come back, one of the fantastic stories in the world of motorsports. Robert Wickens back in Victory Lane. The man himself joins us next. eBay Motors is here for the ride with some elbow grease and a whole lot of love. You transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Redbud, one of the big races this weekend. Check out all that's going on. Steve, you think if we got in a car that we could hit all of them? And I think we could do it. Do you? I, like, listen, Matt, Matt, like time-wise, could we, could we make it happen? No. I, I'm, you know, when they say Great Lakes, they're great big. And they make it – they're way bigger than you we think. We should but try I, that one I, year, though. I, I, I what, should be like, what borders are you crossing to get to Ontario? That would be my yeah. question. Where would, you, where would you cross? I don't know. I, maybe we would have to Detroit? go too far from mid-Ohio to get to – No, man, you go off the thumb of the Canadian. mid Right out of Michigan over. But yeah, I, like, yeah. I've seen that crowd at Redbud. I want to go there. Forget all of them. I know. I'm yeah, ready to go to Redbud now. my people right there. That was going to be awesome. <laughs> also close to the Great Lakes. Last week, Watkins Glen, Nate, what an amazing sight. Robert Wickens getting to victory lane. He started the race in the Michelin Pilot Challenge race on Saturday for Brian Herta Autosport Hyundai. He's in the car to start the race, and they finish it off. Gets back to victory lane. I and mean, what a cool moment. Yeah, it was very cool, Marty. And yeah, his teammate here brings it home under heavy pressure. And yeah. Robert Wickens watching this first win for him since uh, the accident at Pocono Raceway in 2018. That could have ended his career, but great to see Robert Wickens back and a winner here in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. That is awesome. We welcome in Robert Wickens to NASCAR America Motor Mouse here after the big win this past weekend. So, Robbie, when you got out of the car, did you go, we're going to win this thing? What were you thinking? I thought we had a great chance at it, but, you know, I think I can help with this debate on which borders you guys need to cross to. Uh, oh, yes, you can. Yes. <laughs> Where would we cross I over? Do water, I think you should go water plane, I think, is, is the best option for you there guys. There you to go. Those. There you go. That's how we make it happen, Steve. I knew Robert and I had a lot in common. There. <laughs> My man there has got a good plan. I like it. Robert, listen, uh, first of all, congratulations. Um, 
to not just be back in a race car, but then be back in a winning race car just shows your talent and determination to get what needs to be done, done. But uh, Watkins Glen, that series, super competitive, kind of tagging on what Marty said. This, this two driver, three drivers, this format is crazy to me, right? I grew up in NASCAR where you have one driver. What's it like to do your part and then hand over the controls to your co-driver? How good are you as a race fan watching those closing laps? Well, it's new to me, too. This is my first year doing sports car racing. You know, it's the first time I've had to share the car with someone else. And I'm, uh, yeah, you have to kind of just have trust in your teammate. And I had full trust that Mark Wilkins was going to do everything he could to hold on to the lead. We had a great first stint. Uh, we were able to build up a bit of a gap, which all was taken away with the yellow flag, like motorsports often does. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Mark, Mark did an amazing job holding off pressure at the end. And, you know, really, there was a, I really thought we were going to get it, and we did. So it was an amazing accomplishment for me personally, but also, yeah, a lot of hard work went into this, not only for myself, but everyone at Brian Autosport, Hyundai. You know, it's no easy task building uh a race car with hand controls and to do so competitively, reliably, um, yeah, it's amazing. So it's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, Robbie, I know this project was more than a year in the making going back to that test at Mid-Ohio uh, all the way back in, in May of, of 2021. And, and I was struck by, I, I listened to your post-race interviews and I know you said that uh, maybe you didn't feel as much emotion as you might have if you were behind the wheel and that <laughs> might have been part of the, the co-driver experience. But you know, in this entire process of, of recovering and coming back to racing, had you allowed yourself to even think about what this might be to, to win again? And maybe was that a reason why it might have felt surreal or maybe not as emotional as you would have expected? It's, yeah, it's a great point. I mean, first off, when, when you cross the finish line as a driver, you, know, you have so much adrenaline from the entire race. And it's just this release of adrenaline with emotion that kind of gives you this... I guess, form of ecstasy that it's hard to replicate anywhere else in the world. So when you're the co-driver, like my adrenaline had slowly worn off when I handed the car over. So I only had the emotion aspect of it. So that was a new experience for me. Um, but, you know, I think the reason why I wasn't, I definitely I was emotional internally for sure. But I've, I never, when I returned to racing, I, I knew I was only doing this to win. You know, I wasn't doing this for a marketing campaign for you know, spinal cord injury or, or anything like that. Although, you know, the best place, the best way to, to showcase that is to just win, right? So for me, I knew that a win was always possible. I only came back to racing because I was confident in myself that I could still win. Um, and with the help of Brian Herta and all of his partners at Brian Herta Autosport, they gave me the opportunity to, to showcase that. And I'll be lying if I, I thought, you know, I, I thought the win would come sooner than it did, but we had to wait five races. So um, now we're just at the halfway point of the Michelin Pilot Challenge Series here, and hopefully we can um, we can finish the year strong. All right, so Robert, you know me, I'm the car guy. Help me out. I got the hand controls. I can get by steering simple. I can get by the upshift, downshift simple. It's the yep. throttle and brake application I'd like to understand <laughs> because it's not just, you know, it's not toggle, right? It's not like we're playing a video game. There's some feel to that. And, 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 you know, you have such a great skill set to drive that race car. So explain to, first of all, me and the fans can listen <laughs> in. How do you operate? Throttle, brake, and how, how, you know, how is the feel of it to know kind of where you're at with the grip level of the tire? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. So to simplify things, there's a ring on the back of the steering wheel. Um, I pull it towards the steering wheel. That's my brake. 
So in every corner, I'm squeezing this ring for everything that I can. You know, it's roughly around 100 pounds of physical grip strength to try to get a full brake application. Um, and then I have, like a Formula One car, Indy car, there's a paddle kind of for your pinky fingers that I use for for the throttle, which is normally the um, the clutch on a Formula One car or an Indy car. So it's, um, yeah, it works for me. It takes a lot of muscle memory. I have to thank um, the platform of iRacing for letting me do my 10,000 hours of practice to make using my hands second nature you know because i think without that it would have been uh it would have been a big struggle just jumping straight in blind so it uh yeah it's taken a lot of time to get used to it i'm still getting that muscle memory like you talked about with that feeling it's really it just takes time you know i'm a track like daytona where it requires just a lot of braking a lot of braking force it was actually quite easy to get to grips with the car um but a track like watkins Glen. Sebring, Laguna Seca, this weekend coming up at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. They're all really fast-flowing tracks with a very, like, finesse brake application. So it, um, that's where the feeling and, and muscle memory is coming in that I still need to get better at. That's great. Thank you. That's great. Helps me understand. Yeah. And and just to follow up on that a little bit, Robbie, about the the backstory to kind of explain this. uh, Brian Herta Autosport is not new to having preparing a car for a paralyzed driver. We know that uh, Michael Johnson also used hand controls. Can you kind of give us a little bit of background there on on how that platform was already there at Brian Herta Autosport that allowed you to drive this Hyundai? Yeah, of course. I mean, Michael Johnson has been the the pioneer for. driving with disabilities within IMSA for for years now. And it was really thanks to to him. You know, he joined Brian Herta Autosport in 2021. um, And they were kind enough to allow me to share his Hyundai Hyundai Velocitor TCR car um, with him at a track day in mid-Ohio that Brian Herta helped arrange. And that's really kind of what got this whole thing started. It was for me to get back behind the wheel of a race car again for the first time to show not only for myself, but for others that I could still drive a race car at a high level. Um, and really it's, yeah, if it wasn't for Michael Johnson doing what he's done for all these years within the IMSA platforms, um, who knows where we'd be right now. So it's been, it's been quite a surreal experience for over the last 12 months for sure. Hey, Robbie, we do have a phone call for you. Philip in Texas is on the line at 844-NASCAR-NBC. Philip, go ahead. You're on with Robert Wickens. Hey, Robert. That was a, a very dreamful combat win at the Glen, and congratulations and your team and for your teammate of co-drivers, your Canadian homer of Mark Wilkins. I have a question for you anyway. How can you maintain your momentum? And it's been a cool combat dreamful of being back at the race car. You're maintaining your injuries from race. How can you maintain your momentum? Yeah, it's a great question, Philip. I mean, I think the best way to continue your momentum is just stick to the basics. Do the small things right. You know, you don't need to try extra hard or anything because you've just won one. You know, really, Mark and I um, and the whole 33 car, we kind of went through a bit of adversity throughout the season. We got on the podium straight away in Daytona. Life was great. And then the following three races, we kind of just 
we were in with the shot of a victory and then we would get collected in something that really we had no part being being in and you know it's kind of how motorsport works there's a crash in front of you there's nothing you can do your race is over so um from there we always tried to do our basics right and we knew as long as we were doing those it would finally come our way and um in Watkins Glen that happened we were able to finally have our first kind of through and through green the checkered clean race and um for us moving this weekend in the Canadian Tire Motorsports Park home race for myself and Mark Wilkins all we have to do is just keep doing the basics keep to the foundation and, and I think um the results will come naturally you can only control what you can control so if there's things happening outside of that there, there's not much you can do Robert, I want to ask you about your day job with Aaron McLaren SP on the NTT IndyCar side. Uh, obviously adding a third team next year. We know it'll at least be Alexander Rossi, Pato Award in two of those seats. So what all is going on there behind the scenes at Aaron McLaren as they try to build in that third car for 2023? Yeah, I mean, Aaron McLaren SP, they're, they're such an amazing organization. You know, I think everything they do, they do it methodically and they do it with the intent to win. So when they opted to expand to three cars, you know, it's something that I think they've been considering for quite a few years now, but they wanted to make sure that they had the right infrastructure in place to do it in a way where it didn't jeopardize the two cars previous. And um, that's one thing I really respect. A lot of teams can kind of jump into an expansion and not be prepared. And, um, you know, they've bid their time and they're definitely doing the right thing. It's... It's going to be some exciting years ahead, I think, for for the Aaron McLaren SP team. As a driver coach, you're going to have to, you know, get Rossi and Pato together. You know, I mean, they're (laughs) they're going to be quick, you know, but we got to get them on the same page and make sure they're all everybody gets along there. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's professionals, right? I mean, I think from my side, you know, I'm looking forward to the uh, 2023 track walk in St. Pete, where I can talk to Alex about Turn One, perhaps, but. (laughs) <laughs> that's right you can finally yeah. bring that up and have the have the bandwidth to do that right or have the authority you know have to show you, them you the, have permission you know, the, to do the that point uh, you know where you should break for turn one but we'll uh we'll cross I'm that sure. bridge when we get there i'm sure he'll appreciate that yeah like, hey I'm that's how you right should have done it. there's proof the drivers <laughs> never forget right there i'm booking yeah. my travel I, I want to be here for this conversation. I've we'll heard be a few there. of these. This is going we'll to be, be great. There. This, this is awesome, Robert. Yeah. Hey, man, congratulations to you, Mark Wilkins, Brian Herta, everyone at Hyundai. Such a cool sight to see you back in Victor Lane. I'm sure your buddy Hinch texted you like, what, five seconds after the race was over? I didn't check the timestamp, but he was one of the first. That's for sure. That's very, that's very good. Well, cool awesome. stuff, man. We'll see you soon. We'll see you in Indy in a few weeks, right? Absolutely. All right, always good catching up with Robert Wickens. The big win in Watkins Glen this past weekend in IMSA. When we come back, we'll preview Road America this weekend for Cup and Xfinity. And we'll also tell you who we think we might win, might know who wins on Sunday. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Folks, call in 844-NASCAR-NBC and you can leave a complaint. So basically, business as usual, if you complain, just call Kyle and, you know, leave him a message and we'll get it on the pre-race show. How he about that? all the complaints. I like that. It is. 844-NASCAR-NBC is that number. 
or the hashtag let me say this or sometimes you can tweet Steve because people often think Steve is Kyle. Yeah. And Kyle Steve's and Steve. on Twitter all the yes. time, too. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Steve's on Twitter all the time, about as much as me. Um, all right, so let's preview Road America. Steve, you, you think about road course races this year. What has jumped out to you about the new car at the road course races? I believe it's closed the field up. I believe that when we looked at Truex and Chase, they're still very good road course racers, but I think they also had equipment advantages. Now, some of that is their own doing, you know, giving good feedback on what they need in a vehicle. Uh, but I think the sequential shifting is much easier than the old H pattern. I think the brakes are bigger on this car. I think the braking is later than ever. I mean, Ross Chastain's fast everywhere. Blaney, there's chases I mentioned. So he still, you know, he still has a high average finish. But, I mean, look at the variety on that on that page. I yeah, believe four that, on that list have zero wins. Yeah, so I, I, I believe that when I look at it, Nate, I expect to see a crop of new drivers at the front once again. If anybody had Suarez and Busher to run one to at Sonoma, you should have went to Vegas because <laughs> I surely didn't. And I don't think Road America is going to be any different. No, and you know Suarez at Sonoma, Ross Chastain at Circuit of the Americas. I mean, the next gen on road courses has kind of been indicative of the, the story of the 2022 season, the emergence of trackhouse racing, and that game-changing aspect that this car seems to have had. And to your point, Steve, you were talking earlier. It seems like Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., those guys maybe have lost a little bit of that edge that they might have had. So it seems like, who knows, maybe we could see another. I mean, we've seen Michael McDowell. He was just on that list of really strong average finishers. Maybe we could see him at the front. Steve, points or no points? Crew chief, what do you do? Oh, track position, track position, track position. I'm stopping before the end of both stages, staying up front, and have you come get me. You go to the back of one of these things, get run off the track. doesn't matter how good you are. There's no guarantees. I'm uh I call every race to win it. Forget those points. You can have them. I think there's a lot of teams that are thinking points, Nate, but maybe they should be thinking wins, like Steve says, you know. And an interesting point, too, the first two road courses this year, first win for the driver in their career, right? first win for the crew chief in their career as well. So I take this opinion. If you shoot for points, that's almost like telling me you don't think you can win. Because if you go for the points... You have a tough, tough road. To well, so Harvick and Almirola went strictly points almost at Sonoma. Yeah, I just, I, I like I said, I. So think you I'd weren't go. a fan then. Cliff Daniels mm-hmm. kind of went for points with Larson. I was not. You, I was not a like fan that of that. No, yeah. I like, I like track position. I know stages are important, um, but you need wins. So I, I think, I think wins what matter. Yeah. All right, who you got for the Xfinity race this weekend? We'll start there. Who do you think is going to win the race? The pro pricking, picking on the young guys, Kyle Larson. He's yeah. going to be so good on okay. Saturday, I think. I'll take A.J. Allmendinger, the ace. Oh, so you're going way out on a limb. Yeah, way out on a limb. I wanted to go homer and pick my son to win since he finished second in Portland, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with Ty Gibbs because I thought Ty Gibbs had the best car at When he wins, he's gonna, we're going to cut this tape. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah. All right. Cup win. Who you got, Nate? Uh, I'll go on a limb again. Chase Elliott. My goodness. Do you pick any? No. Come on. Of course you win. Who you got? Austin Cindric. I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney, first one of the year. Then that way Steve doesn't have to worry about him winning the regular season. We'll see you Friday in. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.